following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. It has, uh, it has been a week, hasn't it? I was just reading the latest news from Indonesia this morning. Um, and a tsunami struck Indonesia on Friday. The death toll is in the 800s now, and it's expected to climb into the thousands. Um, and it occurred to me that I hadn't, it only happened on Friday, but I, I mean, even since it happened, I hadn't really been thinking about that particular tragedy because our own news in the U.S. has been so dominated by something else altogether, which I've been thinking a lot about, as I know many of you have. And my intention in making that particular observation is not to scold myself, certainly not to scold any of you um, for not paying enough attention to everything that happens in the world, uh, but to acknowledge that the weight of what's happening in America right now is significant and uh, can be all-consuming. And I know that uh, for many of you in this room, the events of this week have not just been a theoretical or political um, circus, uh, but that they've, they've been deeply and personally painful to you because it's bringing up your own experiences. And so this has been even you know, a frightening week and a disorienting week for a lot of you here at Artisan. Uh, and so I want to do a few things this morning, and I'm honestly I'm not sure how, how long some of it will take and where we're going to end up, but um, the first thing I want to do is offer you some words of pastoral assurance um, to a few groups of people, first and foremost, to people who have experienced abuse. I want you to know that if you come to me for counsel, having had something like that happen to you, that that I'll believe you and I will take your story seriously, that I'll be an advocate for you in whatever way you need and want. I want you to know that I won't shame you. I will not shift the blame to you. I will not tell you that the first thing you have to do is go and seek out the one who harmed you in order to offer a verbal forgiveness. I also won't tell you that there are easy answers. I certainly won't tell you that if you just pray, everything will be fine. I will not tell you that your anger is sin. I will tell you that I believe in you and that you are resilient and strong and that you can get through this. And I will remind you of that central tenet of Christian faith, that um, in Jesus, the very God who made the world, entered into that world and experienced the depths of human suffering and violence at the hands of people. So that in Christ, God bears your suffering with you. And I will promise to do everything in my power to make this church a safe place for you to process what happened to you and to continue to seek and find God in the midst of that pain. So that's the the first and most important thing that I want to say today. But there are other people involved in these stories. There's been a lot of talk this week about uh, false accusations. And regardless, if we can set aside for a minute what we think about this specific one, um, it does happen that there are false accusations. And if you have been wrongly accused and come to me for counsel 
In that moment, I will pray with you that the truth will come to light and that the impact on your life would be minimized and that the love of God would guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, for those who are actually perpetrators of this kind of violence, I want you to know that if you come to me for counsel, I will not cast you away in disgust, but instead I will guide you toward repentance. I will pray for you that you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind and that you would face the consequences of your actions with dignity and courage and integrity. Um, I'll just add to that off book that I'm incredibly deeply disappointed with the response of so many in the Christian world to these events. And I'm sorry if people you love and know and trust are um, saying and writing things right now that are, are impossible for you to, to accept and digest and process. I'm so sorry. Um, a really discouraging part of what happened these past few weeks in America is, is how quickly and completely and predictably we went to our political corners. Um, how total the divide seems to be between red America and blue America. And I really, really lament this. We think this year at Artisan about being and enacting and embodying and creating a beloved community. I honestly worry that sometimes our partisan polarization makes beloved community impossible in our world. I have hope, but sometimes it wears thin. Now, uh, please understand that I'm not saying that all political viewpoints are equal. They're not. Some of the people I know are right and some of them are wrong. But I think what is really missing, and this is what grieves me, um, by the way, this is by far the second most disappointing thing that happened this week, just to be clear. I'm not trying to recenter or focus on something other than the pain um, that we discussed earlier. But, but I think what is missing is, is any capacity to find even the most obvious points of common ground in this bitter dispute like we've had this week. There are some things that we should just be able, everybody should be able to agree with. And because it feels like you'd be giving points to the other team, we're refusing to concede those. And I don't, it's hard to recover from that. Interestingly enough, my sermon this week was supposed to be about conflict. <laughs> um, and it's based on the epistle reading from the lectionary for this week, except not this week. Last week, <laughs> because I messed up. Remember I told you last week I messed up the schedule? And um, <laughs> I, I almost never play the card of, like, I think maybe that happened for a reason. <laughs> but I wonder, I don't know, um, if we needed to, to be thinking about conflict within the church uh, today. Um, The truth is, I, I don't really have it in me to write that sermon this week. It's just, I, I, um, 
my pastoral brain was so completely consumed with these other things that I don't have anything to say to you from James 3.13 through 4.3. Uh, but I do want us to experience that text because I, I think that, that God might have something to say to us all in that passage. The light is really weird in here today and I cannot tell what time it is. <laughs> to look at my phone, I'm sorry. Uh, 9.50. <clears throat> um... I think I would like to try to do uh, a Lectio Divina meditative reading of this text together. Um, we'll, I'll do it in a more abbreviated way. So I'll, I'll explain what that is in a minute if you don't have any idea, but many of you know what it is because we've done it before. And often, um, as we go through the process of it, I'll ask you to provide little points of feedback on your experience with the text. And um, that's very rich and meaningful, but I, I, might, I might hold off on, on that. Um, We'll see how it feels. But um, Lectio Divina is a, an ancient practice of reading the Bible that includes both Bible study aspects and prayer aspects. And one of the reasons I love this technique is because it puts them together, where I think they should be, actually. I think we should be praying when we read the scriptures. I think we should be reading the scriptures more when we're praying. And uh, this gives us a chance to do them together. Um, and what happens is you read it in four stages, four phases. Uh, when we do it publicly, we usually do one reading of the text in each of the phases. But if you do it on your own, just know that you can spend much longer with it if you want to and have time, and you can do multiple kind of passes through the reading in the first stage and then go on to the second one and do multiple passes through again, etc. But there's four, four stages here. Uh, one is just where we read and try to comprehend it. One where we begin to um, meditate on it and see what it might have as far as deeper meaning for us. Then we do turn it into a prayer in the third reading. And prayer is not just talking to God, but also listening to God. And sometimes it's one, sometimes it's the other, sometimes it's both. And then the fourth stage is the most kind of mysterious and enigmatic, and it's just contemplation. And we just, as we read, we just kind of sit with the text. Don't do any work, just kind of let it be there with us. Um, so, um, <clears throat> here's, here's what I'd like to ask, and I didn't ask anybody ahead of time, so if nobody does this, I'll, I'll just, I'll be fine, I'll just read it. But we want to read this text four times, and I don't want to, I want to hear different voices reading it. Um, so, I'll read the first one, and I want you to think about whether you might read the second or third or fourth time, okay? And we'll just have this microphone be there for you when you're ready. So in this first reading, um, the first stage is called Lectio. It just means reading. And the goal here is just to simply, you know, comprehend what the, what the passage is saying. And um, very often in this first stage, you'll be drawn to a word or phrase. I sometimes say that it's, the words or phrase seems to glow a little bit or that it lifts off the page. I don't, I don't expect you to have a hallucination right now. Um, <laughs> but it does seem to, something does seem to become alive in a word or phrase. And I want you to, to pay attention to that and see if you can notice that. Uh, so this is James 3.13 through 4.3. And as I read it, Just take it in and look for that word or phrase. 
Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Take about 30 or 40 seconds and process that and look for that word or phrase. So I wonder, um, let's, just, let's try it at least for this first stage. You can just shout out if you had a word or phrase that stood out to you. What was it? Craving. Craving. Peaceable. Peaceable. Wisdom. Wisdom. Envy and selfish ambition. Envy and selfish ambition. You see how when you slow down just a little bit and read the Bible, how, how many... Deep, deep and rich words there can be in it. All right. I wonder if anybody would like to be the second reader today. Come on up, Penny. And before you read, I'm sorry, I should tell them how to read the second stage. The second stage is meditatio, meditation. And uh, the object in this one is to begin to process what this text might have for you, what it might mean. Uh, if you have questions about it, you can be asking those questions. Um, the, the spiritual fathers and mothers talked about um, ruminating, using that same word that, like a cow chewing its cud, a ruminant. Right? You're turning this over, you're kind of gnawing on it like a dog gnaws on a bone. Um, as uh, Penny reads this for the second time, begin to do that with the, word and, uh, with the passage, and you may find especially meaningful to, to do that with the word or phrase that stood out to you. Go ahead. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. 
And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war with you? You want something and you do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Thank you, Penny. So take a a minute or two and process that, meditate on it, ruminate. I think we do actually have have some time to process this out loud, at least for this this stage. So um, you may be completely mystified and baffled right now. You may have experienced almost nothing or like been actively frustrated by it. And it's okay to share that. Um, but if you had some kind of richness or depth from this experience, uh, some question that seemed particularly poignant, um, some insight that was that you're grateful for, and you're willing to share it out loud, would you go ahead and just, just shout it out if you did? The connection of wisdom to humility. Yeah. yeah. That's something you could ponder for a long time. Gentleness born of wisdom. The gentleness is wise. Yeah. Gentleness born of wisdom. Gentleness is wise, Kate. Yeah. So a sense of sadness that wisdom might be so gentle that it's not as powerful as we wish it was. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Wow, interesting. You would never get to that point just like reading it in 10 seconds while you're drinking your coffee to check off a box, would you? The uh, linking of selfish ambition and wickedness of every kind. Mm, Linking selfish ambition to wickedness of every kind. Yeah. Ambition is so often praised in our culture, isn't it? Yeah. It's interesting, the word gentle keeps coming up from people, but that's just the one that kind of settled with me. It's this sense of gentleness in opposition to kind of this bold, bombastic response to things. Yeah. I know I tend to live in my own life is, is this, the tendency to be bold and bombastic towards people in response to things. Yeah. Gentleness, um, particularly in, when in conflict, the idea of responding in a way that's gentle rather than in a way that's strong, or as you say, bombastic. Yeah. yeah. This notion that wisdom is first pure and then peaceable. Mm. Like I'm saying that mm. peace comes after pure, uh, purity, but then also wondering is there a moment, and as wisdom is expressing itself as purity, that it's not peaceable? Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, interesting. So the fact that it says um, wisdom is first pure and then peaceable, 
first the idea, and I'm repeating this so that if you couldn't hear him or if this makes a recording that we could, um, some people will know, but that because it's first pure and then peaceable, um, does that mean that we should be seeking purity, first of all? Uh, but also, um, is there a time when it's pure but not peaceable? Is that what you said? Yeah, what an interesting idea. Thank you. Yes. It's kind of like, you know, it brings to mind the idea that if, um, that whole idea of future generations and, and actually making it. Yes. Yes, thank you. Marielle is pointing out the footnote on verse 18 um, where harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace or is it by those who make peace? And um, I love that you go to the footnotes. Anybody, anybody ever wants to like, win pastor points, go to the footnotes. I, I think those little questions are so important and little prepositions can change the meaning subtly in a, in a, in a significant way. And when we're talking about sowing or planting something, um, whether we get to harvest it or someone else in the future gets to harvest it might, make a, might affect our attitude about, what we're, about the work we're doing, right? which I think is part of what you're getting at there. Thank you. Well, um, let's move on. I'm delighted to hear that you're having a, a meaningful experience with this process so far. Um, if I have a third reader, you can make your way up here while I'm describing the third reading, which is oratio, which means prayer. And here's where you can kind of personalize this a little bit. You might tell God what you, what you want to tell God. You might ask questions of God if you're confused. You might um, yell at God if you're angry. You might actually um, silence your mind and try to listen to God. Um, because prayer is, is not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. And there might be some back and forth there as well. So in the third stage, you're, you're going to continue to notice that key word or phrase, and you're going to take into account all that you've experienced in your meditation phase, and then you're going to turn that into a prayer. So um, if we don't have a third reader coming, I'll read the, th- read the third one for our ratio. Okay. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. 
You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Turn that into a prayer for a minute if you can. Well, this third stage is potentially very personal and intimate. And so sometimes when we do this, nobody shares the third phase, and that's okay. But if you had an experience of prayer that was something that you'd like to share with the rest of us, go ahead and and do so now. I prayed about cravings. Mm -hmm. I, I prayed that God would release me from the negative cravings in my life and that I would prioritize craving God. Thank you, praying, thank you, praying about cravings and, and for release from cravings in life and that that would be replaced with a craving for God. Thank you for sharing that. Teach me how to pray, teach me how to ask. Yeah, those words can be hard, can't they? That, that you're, if your prayer is going wrong, it's because you're doing it wrong. It's kind of the feeling, right? You're asking wrongly. So asking God to teach you how to ask rightly. Yeah, thank you. Again, on a gentle thing, I actually had lunch with somebody on Friday who has abuse in his past, but he falls into a different opinion of mind as it relates to what happened this week. And so there was times where I felt that I thought it was a lot of And so the prayer is to, to remember when I'm talking, especially with people who have experienced the conflict in that way, yeah. to be a little more gentle with them. Yeah. That, that, can, that can harm them further. Oh, good. Thank you. So prayer to remember to be gentle in disputes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I keep on going back to the um, bitter envy and selfish ambition. Um, I, I pray that what I want to do is in service of others and not just in service of self. Mm-hmm. And that I have the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Praying that what you want to do is in the service of others, not the service of self, and having wisdom to know the difference. Thank you. Let's uh, move on to the fourth phase, which is uh, contemplatio. You can just put the N at the end of the word and you get the English version usually. But um, This is the most elusive one, as I said. It's a little bit enigmatic because it, you're supposed to stop your work <laughs> in this last reading and simply be. And I think that's one of the hardest things in the world to do, to stop trying, to stop struggling and simply exist. And you, you are existing kind of in the glow or the wake um, or the storm of whatever you've experienced in the first three phases. But your goal is to allow yourself simply to exist and to ponder what, has, what your experience has been. So um, <coughs> shall I read the fourth one again or does somebody want to read? Come on up. Thank you. As David reads, let's do contemplatio. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, 
do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is fierce pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. So we're going to move on without having the response from the contemplatio, which is a little bit of a shame because sometimes those responses are very interesting. Um, But in the interest of time, we'll move on from here now. But I want to tell you that if you enjoyed this experience, if you like this kind of thing, if you're looking for new ways to to read the Bible and to pray, um, that we're starting in October to have a a second Sunday's um, Bible study and prayer gathering here at Artisan starts on October 14th, 6 to 8 p.m., and it's just going to be Bible study and prayer and, and learning new techniques and new ways to do that. And so I invite you to, to be part of that. We'd have, if we did this on a second Sundays, we could go twice as long and, and, and really kind of interact with each other more and that kind of thing. It's really, really beautiful to do. So I want to give us a chance to do that together on the second Sundays of the month. Uh, and I want to transition now to Holy Communion. We want to Come to the Lord's table every time we're together. This is our kind of the response to to God's word. And I was thinking this week about the word Eucharist. We don't use that word very often at Artisan. But Eucharist is one of the words for communion. And it's a word that means thanksgiving. And I thought, well, maybe maybe some of us maybe not don't feel very thankful this week. Maybe that's a hard one to muster right now. Um, maybe we don't feel very loved in this week, but I, I found this beautiful statement um, that I want to share with you. It says, The Eucharist is not a sentiment. The Eucharist is not a feeling. It is choosing to swallow the truth that you are loved when it seems least believable. So if you don't feel thankful this week, if you don't feel particularly loveable or loved this week, this table is for you. It's a chance for you literally to swallow the truth that you are loved when it seems least believable. Because if you take nothing else from this service this week, I want you to take this, that not only do I love you, but God loves you. And nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Not death, not life, not senators, not judges, not presidents, not your past, not things to come, not anyone who's harmed you. 
neither great heights nor the deepest depths of the earth, not anything else in all creation. None of this will ever be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's his will that those who seek him should find him here. So as we continue to sing together, our table will be open. Come and receive the grace and mercy on offer in the body and blood of the Savior. If you'd like to receive prayer today, there'll be a member of the prayer team at the back of the room who would be happy to pray with you. Let's continue to worship God together. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.